Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Hello, happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. The NFL offseason is officially upon us, and the NFL Combine is just around the corner. So, got plenty to get into and get caught up on after uh, no best of the week last week. So, we'll start things off with beach season, just breaking down the Chiefs cap space with Rocky Magana, Kramer Sansone, and Jared Sapp. After that, it's Chiefs Coast to Coast, just kind of diving into the offseason preview. After that, it's the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. This week, it was just me and Pete discussing our marinated takeaways from another Super Bowl season for the Kansas City Chiefs. After that, we'll take a quick timeout, then we'll catch up with the Great British Chiefs Show. This week, it was Brad joined by Rocky Magania, just discussing the Chiefs offseason and some decisions that they have to make. After that, we'll wrap things up with the Arrowhead Pride Draft Room, Ron Kopp, Caleb James, discussing their positions of need. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. Jared, can the Chiefs three-peat? What's your take on that? It's never been done, even with some very good teams that went back-to-back. I mean, I think we have to start by admitting that they can. I think the first thing that's really playing up to their favor is I think the Chiefs will again be in a very winnable division next year to where it's barring injury. It's hard to see them not as a playoff team. Um, I think the chargers are probably going to take a mulligan year with their cap situation, probably get some money off the books. And I think it's probably going to be a little bit of a process to get uh, the crew. Jim Harbaugh wants in there. Who's going to be the quarterback for the Broncos next year. If the Raiders can solve their corner, their quarterback situation, I think Kramer's Raiders can make a playoff run, but I don't think that there's a lot they can do to where they should be on the Chiefs level next year. I mean, the Chiefs have a very winnable division. So when you it's when you have that, it's like you're starting a 5K, like 1K into it. Like they have a head start on what they need to do. So so Kramer, why will the Raiders crap the bed and why will the Chiefs three peat? I, I don't think they're going to crap the bed, per se, but the Chiefs could – I think the Chiefs could easily 3 P. And like what Jared said, this is an actual – This once they get the quarterback situation figured out, this is a playoff-contending team. You saw the defense play last year, actually outplayed the offense for once. I haven't seen that in my entire time watching Raiders football. But that's – the Chiefs are so far ahead on the Broncos, on the Chargers. It's funny. I love people are saying Chargers are – oh, yeah, it's, oh, Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. I mean, I'm a Michigan guy, so I, I enjoy I enjoy watching Jim Harbaugh there. But with Jim Harbaugh there in Los Angeles, so many holes, so, so, so many holes he needs to fill. They're not even pleased if I see another, oh, it's the Chargers year. Stop. You're kidding yourself. This is this is the Chiefs division still no matter what. So well, they have, the they have a leg up. Go ahead, Jay. Wait till they see what the Chargers do to get out of cap hell before they say it's the Chargers year. Well, and the, the Chargers will always be the stepchildren to the Rams in L.A., and let's be honest with Jim Harbaugh. If we've learned one thing about Jim Harbaugh, he's a very good coach. He's a very successful coach. He also is a coach with an expiration date at every single place that he goes to. He's not a guy who's going to coach somewhere for 20 years. He's going to rub people three the years. wrong way. Yep, three years, something like that. He's going to win some games, but then he's going to be out. So if you think that Jim Harbaugh is going to be building a dynasty, think again. Um, so before we move on, so let's see here. I So – I think the Chiefs are going to three-peat. I'm putting my flag in the ground. I'm saying, yes, they're going to three-peat. Jared, do you think they're going to three-peat, yes or no? Um, you know what? I'm going to ride high on fandom. I'm going to say yes. All right, Kramer. Are they going to three-peat, yes or no? I Yes. They, I feel actually confident that they can actually three-peat. All right. We have three yeses, and for the fourth to make it – to make it a certain we're going to go to the most knowledgeable source and most infallible source of knowledge in the world, aside from chat GPT. 
the Magic 8-Ball. So we're going to ask the Magic 8-Ball, will the Chiefs three-peat? Outlook is good. There you go, everybody. The Magic 8-Ball has said it. The Chiefs are going to three-peat as Super Bowl champions. Carve it in stone. Start start, start, um, hanging the next banner already. (laughs) Um, it's, It's a beautiful day. To be a Chiefs fan, riding high on our third Super Bowl, our Bowl victory. We're going for a fourth, our third and five years. Sorry, our fourth total Super Bowl victory, going for a fifth total Super Bowl victory. Um, let's talk about Chiefs cap situation a little bit here. Um, our uh, Tom Brady of cap situations on Arrowhead Pride, John Dixon, currently has the Chiefs at around $15.5 million in cap space. Jared, um, is that, that's, that's, that's still currently accurate? That's going to be about as accurate of a number as we can get. I know if you go on to spot track today, I think they have it at about 24 million, but they also, they have not put in the numbers for the chiefs free agents, futures reserve free agent signings to where they don't actually have a 51 man roster that they're counting it on. Um, The thing about cap and because the chiefs kind of had, their struggles earlier in the season. I feel like maybe some Chiefs fans were on to off season and the cap earlier. And we were looking at like, wow, the Chiefs have a $40 million cap according to a certain website. Well, that certain website was operating with a $260 million cap that was never going to happen. And at the time, the Chiefs only had like 33 players signed for 2024. So that number never meant anything. Um, But John Dixon's number is good. We've gone through and we've looked at the service time of all the reserve free agents to kind of estimate because they're going to make the minimum salary. So we've we've put in what their minimum salary will be for each one of them. And we feel pretty confident that that's as reasonable of a guess as you're going to get for what the Chiefs cap currently is. Awesome. Awesome. So we're going to have $15.5 million. Obviously, that's not going to get you Chris Jones and Legarius need. <laughs> For $15.5 million. Uh, Kramer, what you got, man? So, like, they're going to restructure contracts clearly here at some point. So we know something's going to open up because we know Brett Veach likes to dabble into his money tree. He likes to shake it every once in a while, and it just falls with this unlimited amount of money. Like, when, how soon does that need to happen? The biggest misconception of Internet GMs is that the salary cap is the budget. I can do all kinds of work, and I've done all kinds of work that I'm – hopefully about to share with you all that I'm going to be writing about this week about what the Chiefs can do to open more cap. What I can't do, I can't sit here and tell you this is the amount of money Brett Veach has from Clark Hunt to spend on free agents. We don't know that. Um, Just because they can open cap room, there's no reason to open the cap room that you know you can't write a check to fill is the thing. So... That's now I anticipate you got a three peat on the line. I anticipate if there's an off season where the Hunt family is going to be like, we can do this. I, I would hope it's going to be this off season. But again, just because they can create cap doesn't always mean they're going to if they know they're not actually going to spend the money. Well, let's dive into that just a little bit here and talk kind of about what are some things that, that for Chiefs fans out there who are thinking that, OK, um, you know, Clark and the Hunt family are saying we're going for the three P. We're going to open the checkbook this offseason. Uh, what are some things that the Chiefs can do to currently create more cap space on paper if they were willing to open the checkbook and spend it? So there's three players who have a sizable just I cut this guy, I open up a lot of cap. I only really think that's going to happen with one of them, the three players who they could cut to open up a lot of cap would be wide receiver Marquez, Valdez, Scantling. They can cut him and create $12 million of cap like today. I think they're probably going to cut him. We've also kind of cut Sammy Watkins and Frank Clark before their time earlier. If something happened and they said, I mean, Marquez had the worst year of his career. If there's ever a year where you could build a crazy contract, with not likely to be earned incentives like you could cut his salary by eight million dollars and say you get five million dollars of it back when you get 35 catches like it's would not be 
that hard to create a restructure. I still kind of think they're going to cut him, though, because they Justin Watson is still under contract. And I think that's just kind of a shortcoming of the Chiefs wide receiver room this year was to have a third of your room being Valdez Scantling and Justin Watson when they pretty much do the exact same things. But you can you can clear $12 million by cutting Marquez Velda Scantling. If they were to restructure him, I think it would still probably clear $9, $10 million. I, he's not going to play in Kansas City on his salary. Uh, the other two cut candidates, Justin Reed, you could clear over $10 million by cutting him. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think they signed Steve Spagnola to uh, – extension with and said hey by the way the person who helps your communication who helps your secondary run so well that so much of your defense runs through we're going to cut him i don't think that's going to happen and if you think back a couple of years ago they let tyron matthew uh finish his contract who had like a contract number twice as big but if it were to happen you could clear about 10 million dollars cutting justin reed the other one you could clear a little over six million dollars by cutting charles amenahu i think that would be a very jerk move i think that probably is not going to be i think the payoff it's not as much money it's a little it's a little less than seven million dollars i think that would do a lot of damage to you like for your reputation and i also think if anything they'll probably maybe try to extend it for a year to maybe push a little of that down the road when hopefully he'd be able to play a whole season but the, those are the cut possibilities I'm going to guess that they create about $12 million cutting Marquez Valdez scaling. Uh, yeah. I, given, given those options, I would probably say that's the one that sounds the most likely like you're right. Marquez Valdez scaling is not going to play in Kansas city under his current contract next year, no. whether they cut him and then maybe they bring him back for a few million dollars. If they, there's not a lot of, you know, takers in the free agent market and whether or not they should do that is a conversation that we can have at a later date. Uh, but he's definitely not going to play on that big of a contract next year. And the Justin Reed one, Spags likes having a veteran on the back end. He 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 like that's why he signed Tyran Matthew as soon as he got here, and then almost immediately following that, as soon as Tyran Matthew leaves, they bring in Justin Reed. So I don't I don't see that happening either. The Charles Aminahue one, which you got to think about with something like that is Charles Aminahue has inside outside ability. If we end up losing Chris Jones then we need that interior pass rush there. And then also, okay, it's you're going to say six and a half. trade acquisition next year. I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't think and he's going to play the whole year, but if you get him week eight, week eight, that's like trading for a pass rusher, which we beg the Chiefs to do every year. Well, yeah, and, and if you – go ahead, Kramer. And, like, I mean, honestly, if it's me, I'm cutting Charles Minahue. I It sucks that he ended up tearing his ACL, but he still won a Super Bowl. He can at least uh, hang that on his hat and, and mana for that. But here's also – they can easily cut him and re-sign him. I mean, there, there's, like, there's nothing that has stopped the Chiefs ever doing so, signing a guy late mid-season, even if he is healthy or not at the beginning of the season. It just I think it makes more sense cutting him and, I mean, clearly MBS as well. But here's the deal. If you're going to cut somebody like a Minahue, yeah, you save $6.5 million – but you got to get an interior or slash edge pass rusher that can have the same amount of production and the same amount of juice for $6 million at that point. But did and we think he had still- his production? I mean, I mean, late in the season, I thought he had pretty good production. I could yeah, I was actually game. shocked. What do you think, Jared? I mean, you'd also still have a pretty big dead money hit if you cut him. I don't think they're going to cut him as much as try to maybe – see if they can tackle one-year extension on that maybe moves some of his 2024 money a year down the road and maybe gives him a chance to earn some money back with incentives when he's healthy. This would be my guess. I don't think they're going to cut him. All right. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not ideal that he had a suspension to start the season and then ended up getting injured and he's going to miss half of the next season. I mean, it's, it's definitely not an ideal situation. I don't think they move on from him, but like I said, we could – We could be wrong. Let's go to our Chiefs preview. Stop it. Stop it. You can't do this. You can't escape. You can't make these plays. You can't make these throws. Come on, give us a sneak preview. Chiefs preview. All right. Serta has been all over this, so I'm literally just going to pull up the text and read... 
what pertains to the Chiefs as far as free agency is coming up. So the franchise tag window starts today. It ends March 5th. Free agency period is March 11th through the 13th. Legal tampering period and all that bull. Y'all know how that goes. And then the official league year starting 2024 league year starts on March 13th at 3 p.m. Central. The Chiefs have a list of impending free agents. This is also Steven Serta. Going to give that boy some love. Y'all know the obvious ones. Chris Jones and Legereus Need. Brett Veach has already gone on record about saying how they're a priority coming into this year. Ironically, you know, I live by the QT here in Westport. I saw yeah. Legereus Need today. So he's oh, really? in uh, he, he's in KC. Yes, indeed. Wow. I saw Legereus Need today. I don't know if that's, I mean, you can aggregate me from there. Yes, Legereus Need is in it's in Kansas City. The other guys, Donovan Smith, Willie Gay, Derek Noddy, Jarek McKinnon, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Mike Edwards, McCole Hardman, Mr. Walkoff, Tommy Townsend, Mike Dana, Nick Allegretti, Andrew Tranquil. We don't have to go each one by the numbers, but uh, give, give me one of those guys that maybe interests you as somebody who you want to keep here in the kingdom, Mark, and then maybe a guy you want to keep, but you think, might be too difficult to keep yeah so i mean looking at that list i mean obviously we don't have to mention chris jones and sneed obviously you want to keep them but yeah can you keep them both i I don't know i think you can keep one for sure keeping both may be a little tricky who's the Uh, one for sure yeah oh if i had to pick yes who's the one for you said you can keep one for sure who's the one that you for sure can keep (sighs) man I'm going to have to say Legereus Sneed just because of the age. He's three years younger. Uh, I like the idea of having the best cornerback tandem in the league with him and McDuffie. And with Chris Jones, as great as he is, he's 30 years old. How many more dominant years does he have left? I think one for sure. Maybe two. Maybe. But um, I, I think you can lean maybe on your edge guys being more of your – your, your, your dominant part of your line instead of up the middle, like George Karloftis, we know you, you're hoping on FAU in year two to be a factor when Charles Amenehu comes back next year. I think you could still have a formidable defensive line. Obviously, it won't be as good without Chris Jones, but I, I still like the idea of having the best secondary because they can still help the D-line. It goes hand-in-hand. People always want to mention how the D-line can help the secondary. Well, it can go the other way as well, too, with sticky coverage. So, I have to say Snead by – it's close, though. It's super, super close. Um, But as far as that list, as far as other guys, like your underrated guys, I guess if you could say, that I want to keep, it has to be Drew Tranquil. It has to be Drew. I mean, we talked about him this year a lot. Pivotal role. He added a different dimension to the team, especially like when Willie Gay went out. He was able to be that guy. Nick Bolton missed time as well, and he had to play the green dot. He played multiple positions on the linebacker spot. And I think he's a guy that really loves being here. I mean, I'm sure you saw his sound bites at the parade. I mean, he said, Oh, yes. He, he took a shot at me. He said, This is way better than LA. He made, he's like, <laughs> like that, that was, was a Mark Gunnels stray. I'm like, That was towards me. He's like, What you doing out there, man? It's way better in Kansas City. So uh, I, I think he's a guy that would stay here, like on a, kind of a hometown discount. Not to, not to say he's going to break the bank anyway, but I think he just truly loves being in this winning environment, especially coming from the Chargers where they always came up short. You could tell he really embraced the culture here. He always raved about how everybody's so prepared and the expectations are just so high. So I think he definitely wants to settle in in Kansas City. So he's a guy for sure I want to keep. Looking at this list, I'm going to say a couple of things. Well, the first of them might be controversial, Mark. Out of Chris Jones and Legereus Sneed, the possibilities that you mentioned, one or both, I think it's most likely that it's neither. Hey, have you not considered that possibility? That with Jones's tag number being in the 30s and realistically somebody's going to shoot him a high ball offer and Sneed being a cornerback where they don't even really sign guys to second contract at that position. They haven't done it since when 2017 or something like that. Like there is a world in which they say, Hey, we're going to live in this middle ground defensively. We're going to make a lot of the drew tranquil signings. I agree. He's a guy that comes back for the cheap. Nick Allegretti, I think is a guy that comes back for the cheap. Mike Dana maybe comes back for the cheap. If you're out of the Chris Jones market, So if that's the case. Then you think Willie Gay's coming back then. I don't know if Willie Gay's coming back. And I also think as far as the running back room is concerned, 
Uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Jarek McKinnon are elsewhere as well. I could see them going draft shopping in the running back room. I could see them going free agent shopping potentially in the running back room. I just I, – I, I don't know if that's the most – I don't know I don't know if a lot of people are thinking that, but as far as how Casey likes to do business, Mark, how they've done these deals, hell, the deal that they got Chris Jones back on this year was cheaper than the tag. He would have made more money on the tag, and it would have been guaranteed. He wouldn't have had to get all these incentive-laden stuff. Like, I, I, I do think there's a world where Brett Veach says, this is my number, I'm staying here, and if you want to compete for titles and you want to go three-peat, Come here at this number. And I can see him saying that to both guys respectfully. See, I think he bends on one of them. I, I just don't see a world where you can lose your, your two best defenders and then sell Mahomes and Kelsey that, hey, we're going for a three-peat. I, I do think this is a rare situation to where you do have to entertain giving a cornerback a second contract because I, before the year, I was exactly there on, no, there's, you don't pay a cornerback. Brett Veach doesn't do that. But Snead play at such an elite level to where he makes you have to reconsider that that way of thinking. And he's still going to be cheaper than Chris Jones because cornerback market is not nearly as high. It's as like a, 16. It's like exactly half, half right? Like yeah. if Chris Jones wants yeah. 32, LeJarrius Snead yeah. is around in the 16. But exactly. it's like when your parents said, we got McDonald's at home. You know, we can't <laughs> they got we can't get McDonald's and eat half food at home. Like yeah, they can't do both, Mark. This is I know, so, I know yeah. you should, go ahead. So if just let's live in your world for a second. If they lose both. Are you saying that they make a big splash at receiver? Because something has to make up for losing your yeah. best two. Defenders. I don't know. I, I, I honestly, this is this is our first dabble into the offseason talk. This is our first taste of these storylines. I think Snead and Jones is going to be the big one. It depends. It, it, it depends on what deal you can get. I think maybe if Snead signs a team-friendly deal, then you can load up and get Jones. Jones has already also, back to parade day, publicly said, I ain't going anywhere. So that helps your leverage a lot if you're the team. I think I how saw much, even the eight. How much stock <laughs> we put into that though, because he was clearly drunk. Do we put any stock into that? I think if you're Chris Jones, you go into the day saying, "There's one thing I can't say on stage," and then you say the thing though <laughs> that you say on stage, <laughs> and you cost yourself like five million dollars. <laughs> that's a that's a strong drink. That's a strong drink. Saying I want to go for the three-peat is one thing. And even LeJarrius Sneed on uh, on Kay Adams had a little bit more interesting. Like, I caught him on the parade route. He said, I'd love to be here, yada, yada. But on Kay Adams, he's like, pay me, pay me. Like, we're early in this in this thing, man. Like, we – we. I think it's likely that, that Sneed gets tagged. I could see that. I'm not mad at that. But the Chiefs don't like using the tag, though. Got to use it on somebody, though, right? This year? We'll see. We got time. This is a little rumor. Before we get to Vegas, one little quick rumor, and I know you like rumors. We're running long here on Chiefs Coast to Coast episode 77. You love rumors. And this this rumor about Jason Kelsey partying with the Chiefs in Vegas, and he hasn't officially retired yet, and what if he wants to play with his brother? We're going to our rumor expert. Have you heard anything on? Have you ever heard anything on the New Heights relocating to Kansas City and the, and possibly the brothers playing together one year in the Kingdom? There's zero chance this happens. Zero chance. I mean, is he going to change positions? You already have an All Pro caliber center in Creed Humphrey. Like, so what are you going to do? What I heard, and please don't report this. this well, he's going to play left guard. It's a conversation in between in between. Uh yeah, they're gonna they're basically because Creed was having some struggles, especially Super Bowl. I think the whole thing that pissed Rasheed Rice off in the Super Bowl that he would that he missed that and Mahomes goes to him on the sideline. And I thought the the lip readers basically caught him saying, Hey motherfucker, he rolled it to me. I had to do what I could do. And there was a couple where Creed, you know, he hadn't he that aspect hasn't been the same. I'm not the best O-line breakdown, and I don't think Mark is either. We can tell when the when the snap is on the ground, you got to catch it at your shoelaces versus your kneecaps. And it messed up a couple of plays. So yeah. the rumor is you, you would learn from one of the goats, play alongside him wherever that fits you. And, you know, this is a guy that Andy Reid 
you know, has a connection to. It's not, it's not part of every rumor is a little, a little, a little bit of a, you can't say 0%. See, it's funny now you're doing what you accuse me of doing. You're being the TMZ rumor guy. I see a tweet from our post from a guy that has a thousand followers, but it got, it got, it got some traction though. Uh, Reddit. You you was on a Reddit a Reddit thread. This is this is one of those topics, man. I'm not entertaining this nonsense. Well, I'm gonna let this marinate. You know, let that one marinate, and then we can circle back. Adapt, react, readapt. Takes time. It takes years. <laughs> That's the takeaway. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, it's time to get into our world-famous marinated takeaways on the Super Bowl, the season, the back-to-back championships, the four Super Bowls that the Chiefs have. And Steve, usually I will let John go first. Uh, and so I, I'm always batting second. I was thinking about going first, and I'm just so used to being in that 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 Derek Jeter two hole. So I'm going to let you go first and let me uh, know what, what you thought uh, about the Super Bowl and really the 2023 season as a whole. You know, so I, I think my biggest takeaway coming out of the Super Bowl really has to do with next season and, and the future and all the decisions that the Chiefs have to make this off season. And and some of this from our contributor, Nate Christensen, who uh, just posted an article this morning on arrowheadpride.com, uh, three reasons why 2024 should be the Chiefs' most aggressive offseason. And I know it's something that he's talked about, and it's something that I totally agree with, but coming out of back-to-back Super Bowls, I am all in on a three-peat now. Like, I am all in on mm. on Patrick Mahomes and this Kansas City Chiefs team continuing to shape NFL history. And I think that the last couple of years where, you know, the Chiefs trade away Tyreek Hill and they make this franchise-changing decision and Tyreek Hill is a Hall of Fame player. Like, he, he mm. is the one of the best wide receivers in in the NFL, one of the best wide receivers in NFL history. And he has done nothing but prove that during his time in Miami. But the Chiefs moving on from him and then just nailing draft class after draft class and and having all of these young players and and these guys, these depth pieces, that they've also been able to afford like slow developing some of these players to make sure that they're ready to step into significant roles when they need them to. Like that's an advantage that most NFL teams can't afford. And the Chiefs have managed to do that in back-to-back seasons where they won Super Bowls. And so I, I think that going all in on a three P is like it's like if you're not gonna do it for this, then what are you gonna do it for? Like, like what what are yeah. you what's it gonna take for you to commit the money and the resources? And I'm not saying put yourselves in a in a bad cap situation, but I think we would agree that the best version the Chiefs could field next season involves Chris Jones and Legarius Sneath being on this team and other other offseason additions or whatever. But let's do it. Let's go all in on this thing. Let's try to change NFL history. Let's be the first franchise in NFL history to go for three straight Super Bowls. And I think this should this I totally agree with Nate in saying that this should be a hyper aggressive offseason for the Chiefs, where it's not just let's play for the future. Let's play for the future. No, let's play for right now. Let, let's go do this thing and let's change NFL history and try to win three straight Super Bowls. Yeah, I and like I, I don't think it's a necessarily me disagreeing here, but I think it, it is a a me just kind of explaining to you how I feel based upon conversations I've had with, with people in the building, you know, dating to years ago when they first got Patrick Mahomes. I think there is a valid point to be like, well, look, this is a rare opportunity. I mean, some franchises will never get the opportunity to go on a, a three feet. Uh, this has been a, a case where eight teams have went back to back and eight teams have failed of winning three Super Bowls in a row. And I think there is a attractive part about, uh, especially now, because I think you've seen from like a fan standpoint, comments on Twitter, comments on RSB Nation site, Arrowhead Pride and Pat's Pulpit. Patriots fans are getting involved because now I think they're starting to feel threatened about that their um, untouchable run 
as far as the greatest dynasty in, in NFL history, starting to feel a little touchable with the Kansas City Chiefs and, and what they're doing. And I think that's fun. I think that's exciting. I think that's good for the game. I think it's good for the history of the game. Uh, and I think it is telling as to like the territory the Chiefs are are on. You know, Steve, I, I know that you are a, a guy that likes to listen to a lot of sports radio, sports talk, things like that. Bill Simmons, Mr. New England, has finally acknowledged that Mahomes is on the Brady corner. Like for someone who's as pompous as Bill Simmons and nose up and you know Brady everything, all this, all that to say that, I think is really telling as to, as to where the Chiefs are. And so I understand what everyone is saying, like go all in for this now. I think that would be cool. I think the Chiefs are going to try their best to do both, where they're they're being somewhat aggressive this offseason, trying to to get back to the Super Bowl. But also, you only have Patrick Mahomes for so long, you know. And I know that, oh, you know, he's only in his twenties. It seems like it's going to be forever. He's twenty eight now. In two years, he'll be thirty. Suddenly, you know, as it goes, it, it feels like time is going to be so long. It happens quickly. You know, I never think that. I, I never would think that the Chiefs will, are going to want to put them in cells in some kind of like Los Angeles Rams hole. And for what it's worth, the Rams kind of fell off the cliff and they were back to an extent this year. But I think the Chiefs want to be above average every season. Some years they are going to be teetering along elite. Other years, I think, are going to be like this past year where they were an above average team. The defense was elite. The offense kind of ebbs and flows, but they finally found a way to do enough at the end. And I think what you learned this past season is you don't necessarily have to be the greatest team all time to get it done in the Super Bowl when you have Patrick Mahomes. And that is what has stood out to me. I think the Chiefs will potentially be a little bit more aggressive than previous offseasons. I think you have to be on the offensive side of the ball, especially in the wide receiver room. But I never think it's going to be, well, we're going for it this year and you're like forfeiting potential flexibility for future years. So I buy into both to an extent, but I just I know how Kansas City is operating, and they they understand that uh, the amount of time you have Patrick Mahomes as a starter, although he is still young, it's finite. It's not this infinite clock, and so I think they'll be smart about that. All right, my first marinated takeaway has to do with the defensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs. What a performance by Steve Spagnuolo! Listen to this line, Serta. You listening? Eight catches for eighty-six yards, pretty good. That's a pretty good line. You know what that was? Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, and Debo Samuel combined in the Super Bowl. The 49ers, the All-Star team, the Monstars, that was their line combined. Christian McCaffrey got his a little bit, which I think we all expected. And I knew that to an extent you would have to win despite CMC. He's that damn good. But these other receivers are pretty good themselves. Pass catchers, Ayuk, Kittle, Samuel. Eight catches, 86 yards combined. This came from John Ledyard, who was our newsletter film expert in AP Premier. This was his film review from the Super Bowl. At some point, we need to have real discourse about how many defensive play callers have ever been better than Steve Spagnuolo. I mean, how absurd is the resume? He's shut down so many of the best offenses the league has ever seen, and he's done it on the biggest stages. The Chiefs have some awesome football players, and then he names, led your names, Jones, Sneed, McDuffie, but far from this star-studded group. The blitz schemes are diabolical. He can play any coverage and constantly alters his shells to confuse opposing offenses. His game planning is tremendous from opponent to opponent. Spags' player development is probably the aspect of his profile that gets overlooked the most. And then he says this, and this was a, a key part to me. How crazy is it that he had Shamari Connor ready to play like this as a rookie, covering George Kittle with the game on the line? That has turned everyone the Chiefs give him into solid situational pass rushers. He's developed Casey into a four-deep group at linebacker in an age where teams are scrambling for one competent second-level defender. Top-to-bottom, Hall of Fame-level job by Spags again. I think Kay Adams mentioned on uh, Up and Adams, uh, what is that, Fanduel? She has said and, and made the point, I don't think coordinators ever made it to the Hall of Fame. Steve's going to be the first. Uh, you know, and Obviously, he had that, that small stretch as a head coach. People say, well, maybe Spagnolo is the guy to replace Reed when he's done. I mean, they're the same age, so that doesn't make a ton of sense. I think he's just going to be this forever coordinator. Uh, to your point, Steve, and going back to the last one, if they are able to pull off the the three-peat, Spagnuolo is going to be a big part of it. He was the one who came in for Bob Sutton, has been a part of every championship, and I think he's putting together what will be a pro football Hall of Fame career uh, as a coordinator. And I, I think you know that's that's paving the way in a sense for, especially with the way the NFL is designed now. I think you're seeing like the way that the Chiefs do it 
much more than maybe you see Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick wants his hands in every little thing. Andy's the head coach here, but he kind of lets Spagnola be the defensive head coach. And I think you see the impact of that. And before I throw it to you for comments on that point, Steve, I do want to bump uh, a reminder of AP Premier. We'll be rolling through the offseason uh, with one to two newsletters a week as we get ready for free agency in the NFL draft. Uh, John Ledyard was involved all year, did an excellent job uh, giving us a bonus film review, and it's still available to you. If you want to subscribe to our AP Premier newsletter, you can do so, arrowheadpride.com slash subscribe. Anyway, Steve, just a tremendous job uh, by Steve Spagnuolo. Yeah, I don't think we can overstate his importance to this run that the Chiefs are on. And yes, last season was the best version of that where their personnel just hit everywhere across the board on the defensive side of the ball, which is why we saw the Chiefs defense like put together an all-time caliber season that is somehow still like going to wind up getting lost in the shuffle of all of this stuff. Like I, I feel like that defense is going to be remembered forever here in Kansas city, but like national wise NFL landscape wise, like I feel like it's still going to wind up being lost in the shuffle, even though they were so special last season, but that's something that you can point to over the last few years and, and the way that the defense has gotten better and the way that they've developed some of these guys and, and the way that they've gotten all of these guys to like Steve Spagnolo has been incredible at putting guys in specific roles and saying, this is what we need from you. This is what we need from you in your small area of the field, because every other guy is doing this. And this is how all the gears wind up fitting together and, and everything turns on the defensive side of the ball. He's tremendous. And it really brings me to my next marinated takeaway, which is the chiefs retaining their coaching staff year after year, the way that they have, is the biggest non-Mahomes advantage that they have uh, uh, over any other team in the NFL. And he like, I, I haven't really talked to you about this, but I've been talking about it a lot on Arrowhead Pride. Like, I don't really understand it. I, I guess it's because they're an older staff and everybody wants, you know, the next, you know, Sean McVay disciple or Kyle Shanahan disciple because we've seen other teams uh, have success with those guys more so than, you know, the, the Bill Belichick disciples, which have been a disaster for the most part, like the chiefs being able to just run this back with the coaching staff, where we see so much upheaval on NFL coaching staffs across the league. Like we saw what happened with the Eagles last year. Like none of us knew that Shane Steichen really was that important to the way that right. they function. And it, it totally fell apart for Philadelphia, despite the fact that they still had super bowl caliber talent on that roster they just totally fell apart because the coaching staff just wasn't uh, up to par with, with the standard that they had set the previous season. And the chiefs just run this back every single year for whatever reason, because teams aren't willing to, to give the guys on their staff uh, head coaching opportunities anymore. And it doesn't seem like that's going to change. And then we even see position coaches like Dave Merritt and Joe Cullen just say, yeah, I'm fine in Kansas City. I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll just stick here, stay on Spag staff. I, I know we got players. I know we're competing for championships, and we're we're fine staying here. Like it, it's a tremendous advantage that the Chiefs have over the rest of the NFL right now, and I don't really see it changing anytime soon. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So. Brainstorm got too big. Ooh. Summarize with AI in a click. Click, click, click. Writer's block. Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, I just wanted to uh, talk about what, where did the Chiefs go from this now? Because obviously there is this talk about this three-peat and... <laughs> Mahomes has been very vocal about it, even on the uh, on the stand, accepting 
his third Super Bowl and he was talking about having a three-peat. That's because nobody else has ever done it before. How does Veach keep this team together right now? Because everybody's on a high. We all heard Chris Jones saying at the uh, the Super Bowl parade that he ain't going anywhere for the next three years, possibly, um, which, uh, yeah, I don't think that went down pretty well with the Cats brothers. But, uh, yeah, um, I'm sure he'll have those conversations with those guys. I think he should just sack them and just, just, sign, the, just sign the contract. Just sign it, Chris. Just do it. Just do what everybody wants you to do. What you've promised everybody to do at the Super Bowl parade. Sign that contract for a team-friendly deal and go and get a three-peat and and create your legacy. How does Veach do this now? Does he sign Chris Jones? Does he sign Legarius Sneed? What does he do? How does he keep the band together? There's a lot of balls in the air on this, right? And there's uh, there's a couple schools of thought to it, right? The first is this is a historic opportunity. No team has ever three-peated in history. Mm-hmm. Do you push all your chips in this offseason and go for it? Do you, do you, most teams sell the house to try to get one Super Bowl. The Chiefs haven't done that. The Chiefs have, have planned for the future. They've been very fiscally smart with their roster and their contracts that they've handed out, mm-hmm. and they've gotten themselves this far. But now you're at a tipping point of is it worth pushing it all in for one season to do something that nobody has ever done before. Right. Or do you hold the line and say, what we've done has gotten us this far. Right. So the, the question there is, is so, so if you say what we've done has gotten us this far, then maybe you tag, you tag Snead and then you try to get Chris Jones to a team friendly deal and maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't work. You let some guys walk, you know, some things happen. If you're saying I'm pushing it all in though, you convert Mahomes' contract, you kick the money down the down the road, you, you try to free up as much liquid cash as you can, you give Chris Jones as big as a signing bonus as you can to lower the cap hit this year, you know, and then push money into future years that may end up being bad contract years that you have to pay out, but you're saying I'm doing it because we have a chance of doing something historic here, right? And so – with that, though, there's also another side to this with Chris Jones and Legereus Sneed. Like, Legereus, I don't think Legereus Sneed is going to give us any kind of a team discount because this is his first chance to cash in being a mid-round pick, right? Like, this guy didn't have a huge rookie contract. This guy has earned his chance to go out and get it back. And he, he knows that with his past knee injuries, there's no, there's no guarantee of a third contract in the NFL, especially if you're at a such a, a like a, a a position that requires so much speed and agility, like cornerback does, right? Like especially when you're known as like a press outside man, you know, corner, especially right. Like this might be his loan opportunity to cash in. So I don't think you're getting any sort of team discount out of the Jerry Estate. On uh, Chris Jones, on the other hand, this is his third contract. He's already had a big contract. Um, do I think it's going to be a massive team discount? No. But I think there is something in the back of his head that says, I don't want to hold out. I don't want this to trickle into the regular season. I don't want this to mess up their offseason plans and their and their flexibility to go out and do something. We're either going to get something done or we're not going to get something done. But there's something to be said for Chris Jones in the fact that I can still get a lot of money just maybe not the most money and then stick around and be able to try to go and do something, be a part of some of, of all three of these historic, you know, Super Bowls mm-hmm. and be a, be a part of all three of these super of this, of this three P and be a, the core guys that made this happen. And so I think in the back of his head, there has to be at least a little bit of a consideration. If we're talking the difference of maybe $10 million over four years, right? Like, or three years, like maybe you take the ten million dollars less to stay in Kansas City, right? If he doesn't, ten million dollars is still ten million dollars. I'm never gonna blame yeah. anybody for saying, "Hey, I'll take the ten million dollars." Thank you very much. I'll see you later. But I think that it's at least a consideration and something that he has to figure into his mindset. Um, other than that, I'm of the belief that you push all your chips in and you try to go for it this off season. Uh, you're going to have Mahomes for another decade, which means that you have at least one and a half more complete rebuilds in you, right? You know, and so if you got to blow it up after next season, 
then you then you have had a three peat, right? And then you rebuild it, and maybe you try to get another three peat in Mahomes' lifetime. Um, <laughs> you're always going to be contenders as long as you have Mahomes. But this is your chance to build that historically good team that's going to do something that no team in the history of the NFL has ever done. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think the players are probably thinking now, let's finish something what we've started here because they've clearly quietened down the doubters, especially this year. I know they did quite a bit last year, but they especially doing it this year in this, in this playoff run because the teams that they've faced should have buried this Chiefs team. Let's be honest. They should have buried them from from the performances that we saw during the season. The AFC teams that were in the playoffs should have at least put the Chiefs to bed and they couldn't do it because clearly this Chiefs defense was all about winning the championships. And I think you're right. I think a lot of the players are probably thinking that, yes, let's go for this three peat. Whatever the whatever the situation is, whatever the contracts we've got to sign or whatever not sign or even some players might even be thinking, look, I'll I'll eke out a bit more of my contract just to restructure it, get who we need to get just to obviously get this three-peat because I clearly think that that is on everybody's mindset right now. I think you're right, though. I think Legereus needs probably thinking, well, no, I, I seriously need the bag. I seriously need the bag here. And, I, and he quite rightly needs the bag because of the way he's locked down some of the best wide receivers in the in the NFL this year. Um I think Mahomes recognizes that. I reckon I think he recognized more than ever this year that it is a it is a team game. It is mostly a team game. Yes, okay, the quarterback's always going to get the, the biggest, you know, biggest share of the cheese. But I do think that Mahomes is thinking, you know what, I want to reward these guys as well. Let's restructure my contract. Let's get the the the, the people the the you know, Chris Jones signed. Um let's get Sneed signed but let's get some weapons at the same time. Um, and there's a, quite a few wide receivers going to be coming up into free agency this year. I'm wondering if the Chiefs are actually going to be, that's going to be where they put all the chips, as you were saying, putting all the chips in on the wide receiving side after they've signed Chris Jones and Legereus Sneed. It could be that. Um, and I think Mahomes is very much on board with that. That's definitely the right time to have that discussion with with Mahomes right now is we need to go and get you some weapons, but we also need to give you the defense, the championship winning defense that is actually going to get you get you over that line if the offense is spluttering again. And I think he's going to be all in on that. I think this Chiefs team could go on to actually achieve this three P. I really do believe it's on. Do you? Oh, I think they're hundred percent. I think the Chiefs are going to three P. I'm putting my flag in the ground on this. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not going to get caught doubting like I did halfway through the season this year. I'm. I'm I'm telling myself no matter how bad it gets at any point next season, the Kansas City Chiefs are like an NBA team that start trying in the playoffs, and they're just going to get to the playoffs and they're going to turn it on and they're going to win another Super Bowl. The Chiefs are going to threepeat. I do think the Chiefs are going to put all their chips in. Like I said, I think they're going to. I think they will retain Snead and Jones. The problem is, is once you retain Snead and Jones. That's an awful lot of money. We're talking yeah. $45 million minimum, minimum, right? You know, so. That's a um, lot of dough, isn't it? Yeah, unless unless you find a way, like I said, to put most of it into signing bonus. That's a lot of dough. And that's really going to limit your ability to, to bring, to go crazy in free agency and go after one of these top flight wide receivers, uh, which is why I think that you might see the Chiefs in offensive skill positions this year. Do what they did similarly in years past in the draft with offensive line and like they did with the secondary, where they just they just go ham on drafting wide receivers, tight ends, running backs, and they just try to build a young core around Patrick Mahomes that's going to be cheap. Um, and then they try to develop them and bring them along like they did Rashi Rice this year. I think the Chiefs go offensive weapon in rounds one, maybe round two as well. And I think that if you're ever going to trade up to go out and get a wide receiver, like a blue chipper, like go out and get a blue chip wide receiver, this is the draft to do it in. Now, you're not going to trade up and get a Romo Dunze, Malik Neighbors, Marvin Harris. Like those guys are, those guys are out of reach. Like they are. Like you're talking about trading up from 32 to five, right? Like that's just yeah. not going to happen. Yeah, that's not going to happen. But there's plenty of guys in this draft. That are that have wide receiver one talent, 
that you could trade up into in the twenties and possibly and possibly nab if if one of them's there. Um, so I think that you're going to see the Chiefs. The Chiefs don't need seven draft picks this year. Like like walk away with four good players on offense out of this draft. And that's good. Like we've gotten spoiled that we think that Brett Veach is going to hit on a seventh rounder every single year. That's just, that's not reality. The reality is that, is that your fifth, sixth and seventh round draft picks are lottery tickets that, that a lot of times don't even make the roster on most NFL squads. Right. And so, and so the fact that, that we can't count on those to be contributors year in and year out. So if you can use those, as trading chips to move up in a mid round and get a guy in the second or third round that you have your eye on that possibly has slid further down the draft board than you expected, then go out and do it. Just make sure that it's a Rashi Rice and not a Sky Moore. Like that's that's what you got to do. Like yeah. this is the off season where the scouting department has to hit on offensive weapons. Mm-hmm. Like this is like that's like that's the key to this offense is in the draft. Are you going to hit on offensive weapons? Are you going to get Rashi Rice? You're going to get Sky Moore, right? We can't afford to go out and, and trade up and get a John Baldwin in the first round of this draft, right? You know, you got to at least get a Dwayne Bow, you know, or something like that. So, I mean, that, in my opinion, that's that's kind of where the success of the offense offense of the off season, excuse me, um, hinges on is 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 how good. Do they do it scouting their offensive weapons in this draft? But here's the thing, Caleb. We got to set the table in terms of what the Chiefs actually need to look for in terms of positional needs. And that's what I did for the site this week. I did write the top five, what I believe are the Chiefs position needs going into this offseason in order, uh, one to five. And I think I, I, people were surprised with my number one. I, I, I want to see if you were too. But my number one was defensive tackle. Number two, wide receiver. Number three, left tackle. Number four, defensive end. And number five, running back. Were you surprised with who I, what position I had top, top of the order? I'm not. I can see where a lot of people would be on the defensive tackle. You know, I mean, everyone's like, get the receivers, get the receivers. They, like, do not have any depth currently on the defensive line. They don't even have, nothing. like, nothing. They literally have nothing. Like, they have Neil Farrell, Neil Farrell <laughs> and, like, uh, Isaiah Bugs, and that's yeah. It. He he is on a reserve future, which that's that's a nice little stash. I will and say. I, I you will think say. about the guys that made plays in the Super Bowl: Chris Jones, Mike Pinnell, Tershawn Wharton, Mike Dana. Those are guys that are all getting ready to be free agents. So, I thought defensive tackle has been a need for the Chiefs for a while now. I think we all thought that last off season. I think this year's the year to attack it, regardless. And it, yeah, if you resign Chris Jones, still go draft a defensive lineman. I don't care if you take a defensive lineman in the first round either. You can never have enough of those guys, at least in my opinion. But they got to do something to just kind of replenish that position unit. Yeah, definitely. Is there any other position you think uh, you would have put in the top five? Because, you know, I think defensive end was higher than I thought it would be. But that Charles who injury is huge, man. And we'll get into it. But, you know, it's a higher need than, than you think. Um, you know, I know, are there any other positions you think you would have put in above, you know, I had running back at five, you know, that's, that's my, you know, might be controversial. Uh, I, I think linebacker, I mean, there's a chance where they could lose yeah. uh tranquil and Willie Gay probably is getting ready to walk in free agency. So you're losing two guys that play critical snaps. Tranquil stepping in for Bolton with some massive snaps at one point in the season. I mean, that leaves you with Bolton, Chenal, and like some like Jack Conkerin. I mean, though you're losing two guys who were a staple of the defense this year. Willie's been the staple for the last couple of years. But I mean, I, I know everyone's saying, you know, oh, it's for sure they're gonna get Drew Tranquil, man. Nothing's for sure in the NFL. I mean, I know he obviously sounds like he wants to stay here, he says, but man, we've played this game the last year with Juju also. We played this exact same game with Juju Smith Schuster last year. You know, everyone's, you know, he wanted to be back, everyone said, but at the end of the day, he took the best deal he got. I wouldn't be so shocked if that didn't happen again with Tranquil. So I could definitely see linebacker turning into a need for this team. Yeah, and I, I I figured you were going to go there. Um, and I thought about linebacker hard because, uh, you know, I, I do think it's an important position to have depth at and to have guys at. Um, and and because they do have Nick Bolton, Leishan all next year, to have guys behind them is important. 
Um, and we'll see that we'll talk about that a little more. Cause yeah, let's get in a little deeper into each position. Um, Cause we already kind of talked about the defensive tackle group, but you're right under contract next year. We only have Neil Farrell on reserve futures. You do have Isaiah bugs and Matt Dickerson, but you know, that's not something that sh you should hang your hat on. This team does really need to attack defensive tackle, both I think in free agency and the draft. And I'm not saying like big money in free agency, but let's see a nose tackle, like a legit nose tackle. There are some dudes out there, some veteran guys out there um, that they could bring in um, that'll eat gaps up, uh, you know, maybe maybe be a, an upgrade to Derek Naughty the last few years as that starting nose tackle. But they need to attack it in both free agency and the draft. The problem, though, Caleb, and, and, I, don't, and, and I don't know what you feel about this, but it just feels like if they're going to attack defensive tackle in the draft, you know, should they do it with their first pick? You know, or, or or should they do it, you know, later in the draft? Um, I guess it depends on the Chris Jones situation, right? But I don't know. Either way, don't you think that they just got to replenish it both avenues? I would tell you this. From what I've seen the last week from evaluating the defensive tackles, this class is ridiculously loaded. Like, Ooh. I know we say okay, this a lot, but, I mean, there are so many talented dudes that do so many different things well. I mean, Johnny Newton from Illinois, he's probably got to be the consensus best defensive tackle in the draft. He's unbelievable. I mean, I mean, I could go down the list. We'll save all that for later. I just – if you get a chance to draft a guy in the first round that you think is a difference-making defensive lineman, take him. Because if you put him inside next to Chris Jones and then Charles Omenihue does come back, you're putting offenses in such a bind across the board for what they have to do to be able to protect the quarterback and you're setting up so many one-on-ones across the board. Like I, I would not see it as a bad thing if they found another impact making defensive lineman in the first round. Even if they got Chris Jones, even if they, if, Chris that's Jones. just a plus. Cause I mean, Chris Jones is getting up there. You need someone to help with the snap right. down eventually. Like if you want Chris Jones to be Chris Jones, like he was like, cause he was tired at the end of the Super Bowl, man. I mean, he is going to start getting up there in age <laughs> Like you need someone to be able to go out there on some third. You need someone else to be able to go in there on some third downs in the regular season and get after the quarterback a little bit. No, dude, I, I, it's a good point about, I mean, if the class is lo loaded, like you're saying, like I, I, and obviously I, I believe you, I love to hear that because I've not been able to dive into it uh, too much because that's the thing is it's not a value high position, right? Where it's going to go super high. If it is a loaded class, the Chiefs are sitting in that in that in in the money spot to get whoever they really want in that kind of top of the class, just because I, I'm sure Johnny Newton might go high. It sounds like Byron Murphy, the Texas defensive tackle, might be um, starting to climb up boards, and and I'm sure he's he's looking good. But that's the thing; it, it's it's you know usually in some classes, it's it, defensive tackle is kind of a bad position to draft in the first round, just because you know. Are you going to really find an impact guy if he's not one of the top guys in the first round? But if it's such a loaded class, it's going to push that talent down. Might have a chance at some guys in that first round, and that might make your you know, might change their decision kind of in free agency too, in terms of maybe uh, going after a receiver in free agency, maybe because uh, that's the next position we'll get into. But yeah, I don't know, Caleb. I mean, that's 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 interesting. I'm I'm excited to get into defensive line uh, class. That's a whole generation of kids at defensive linemen. They've grown up watching like Aaron Donald and Fletcher Cox and some of these like – And Chris Jones. And Chris Jones, man. These guys have grown up watching these guys play. So it's not like we're talking about defensive linemen from the 1990s where we're talking – we won a bunch of 370-pound space eaters. Like these guys we're talking about right now, they're like some – you know, they're some rocked-up dudes in this class. They are like legit elite athletes across the board. And, I mean, I've just been extremely impressed with what I've seen so far. Yeah, I, I honestly kind of hope they double up in the class in the draft, um, even if it is early. Both both picks, I, I think I think they need to. They haven't drafted defensive tackle early in a long time. Keandre Coburn was a sixth round pick last year. They didn't even give him to the first uh, week. So yeah, and 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 so yeah. Our last thing here maybe is, you know, I don't think Tershawn Wharton should be back or Derek Naughty. Um, I do want to see Chris Jones back. I know it's almost. If we're, if we're being realistic, it's hard to say that Chris Jones and Snead are, are, are both back. Um, but, you know, I just want to see them them keep the team together to get that three-peat. So I'll say Chris Jones is back. But what do you say on Naughty and Wharton? I think Naughty's probably 
I think his probably, I think in general, his playing days are probably numbered. He's just suffered so many yeah, injuries. Injury, the course. Yeah. It's the injuries, man. It's the beating it takes playing as many reps as he did early on in his career as that one tech. I wouldn't mind like Tershawn Wharton or Malik Herring back, to be honest with you. Um, I'd take either one of those guys back. They know the system. They're going to be guys that you can put in, and they both, you know, they did perform pretty well down the stretch of things. I understand why there's reasons you might not want them back. You know, Morton struggles in the run game at times. You know, he's really like does his best work when it's like a passing down. He can get a one-on-one, but I wouldn't be mad if he's back because it's probably not going to be like a big deal or anything. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, but I just think they need, they need to replace those snaps with other just guys that can give them, you know, maybe a higher ceiling or just, you know, development. Um, you know, and they just haven't done that at all the last few years. They've just recycled the same players at defensive tackle around Chris Jones. Uh, you know, they tried with Jaron Reed that one year, but, uh, but yeah, so no defensive tackle. That's why it's my number one need. I mean, I think we just talked about a lot of different stuff because, and, and that's the other thing is there's just different positions, right? Like you need guys that can stuff, but you also need guys that can penetrate behind Chris Jones. Even if you sign him, if you don't get Chris Jones, Man, you need you might need to find a couple of guys that can really get after it from the interior, um, just because that's like you named earlier. It's the name of the game. So I think defensive tackle really does deserve number one priority. But we can go through the other ones uh, a little quicker because wide receiver um, is number two for a reason, right? Even though there are like almost every receiver from the Super Bowl team is under contract. Like this team, how funny would it be, Caleb, if this team just said, you know what, guys, we want a Super Bowl with this re- receiving core? Minus McCole Hardman and Richie James in, in 2024, they just they just roll into the season with Rasheed Rice, MVS, Justin Watson, Kadarius Tony, Sky Moore, Justin Ross. It's just like, hey, you know, what do you? Who's? Why are you guys mad? You know, we we just won a Super Bowl with this team. Um, there's just no way they can do that. They have to shake up the receiving position, right? Like you, there's just like I'm I'm. There's no way they can do that, right, Caleb? Yeah, I mean, they put the whole. You, we could give Mahomes any receivers we want, and he'll figure it out. They put that to the test this year, and they barely passed it. But I mean, they have to improve on something, man. You can't. And because my other thing is, like, if you can't retain all the defensive pieces, the offense is going to have to return back to top five form, which I think they can do very easily, especially since Rasheed Rice has kind of hit his stride a little bit here. But you don't want Mahomes to have to just labor like he did this year. It felt like there was like he was laboring. The offense had to labor. You know, you see a lot of these lesser quarterbacks. They have a much easier time to throw into some, you know, just other better receivers. So would definitely like to see that. I'm still skeptical they'll actually let MVS walk or not, but I still think there's more than enough room on the roster to uh, to add one to two to three guys if they want to. Yeah, because that is the foregone conclusion from everybody now, right? That MVS, you know, you save twelve million in cap space. It's kind of the obvious way to get a little more room to do other stuff this offseason. Plus, and and it's true, man. I mean, just think about just you just grab MVS, you take him out of the offense, and then you put a, a a really good receiver in the snaps he was playing, the the position he was running in terms of being on the outside, you know, running deep routes and, and, and trying to, you know, uh, uh, make big plays. There are so many better players uh, than, than, than him uh, than that they could put in that position if they really want to invest in that, in that receiver spot. And I'd love to see it. And, and honestly, that's the thing. It, it could only, it may only take that. It may only take, you know, really sw- taking a, a, a big swing at a player to, to take over that MBS role, but you're skeptical. He's, he, he he's going to, uh, Obviously, he's not going to return on the cap number he's at, but yeah, obviously they could work out something where he's back on a lower number. I hope they just part ways, man. I think he's had, you know, I'm not a, you know, I, you know, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of MBS. I'm I, just to be honest with you, he's he's had a bad attitude at times. I don't know. So shout out his charity event though, his charity softball game. Um, but let's just, I, I think you got to just pull the plug and let him go get overpaid somewhere else because he's a Super Bowl two-time Super Bowl champ. If he doesn't catch the ball in the AFC title game, and if he doesn't catch that touchdown, we're probably not even considering this. So, yeah, he, yeah. he probably is going to be somewhere else, but he'll find somewhere to play in the NFL because he's still got the rings on his fingers. Right. You don't just go scoring touchdowns and making plays like he does. He has in the playoffs the last two years and find nowhere to go. So he'll find yeah. somewhere. 
Yeah, no, I I know, right? I, I don't think it's going to be Anthony Hitchens where he just disappears. I thought it was going to be like at some points this season where he just wouldn't find another team again, but he'll he'll find another squad to to run, you know, 0.4 yards per route or whatever he was doing this year. But okay, so uh I think though the receiving the the number one thing about the receiving position attacking it this offseason really does need to be whether it is free agency or the draft get somebody that makes Rice the number two receiver. I don't want them to enter 2024 where it feels like Rice is like the has to be like this number one receiver um, facing the top coverage. Like I know if you draft someone day one, you can't expect them maybe to like be the like the top target, but you need to get someone that is like a wide receiver one type in terms of kind of winning in different ways. You know, uh, winning off the ball, um, creating separation. Uh, you know, on on routes. That's the thing. You know, I, I think Rice's strengths are, you know, getting an open space and 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 taking advantage of of Yak and and taking advantage of the other guys. Uh, you know, kind of you know uh, taking the coverage with them. So I don't want that to go away. So I don't know. Do you agree with that? Do you want that? How like I don't know. Do you would you be comfortable with Rice as the the clear wide receiver one if they really didn't invest in the receiver position that hard? This it does make me nervous if he does have to take on that full workload because his a dot per reception is still very low. They still really used him like a lot. Like a lot of his usage was still on screen passes or when Andy would cook up like one of those crossing patterns or the mesh concepts. These are still like routes. He's not like exploding downfield, but he's got the great yak. So you're like. Yeah, if we get Kelsey and another receiver, this is still going to be perfect for Rice because if they start, you know, looking at those guys playing downfield, we're still going to have his physical running style and all of that, you know, to where he's able to still, you know, get those yards, create those plays and still be like a very viable option to the offense. I just think, though, that with every, you know, all the struggles they had, I don't want to see them go to him like too much or put too much pressure on him. He's still developing. I mean, there's a chance right. maybe in four years they bring him back on a contract that he is the number one receiver. I think that's totally fair. I still don't know if he's going to be ready for it right now. He was ready for it in the playoffs, but still, like you said, they still just ran a lot of screens through him in the meantime. So I would definitely yeah. not be opposed to getting someone. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Summarize with AI in a click. Writer's block? Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. 